Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're back, baby. It's a charity stripe. Pitch your free throws because they're free. Joshua Fisher, Alexander DeSopolis, and Nikki Snacks Kreider. Go follow us on Instagram at the.charity.stripe or on Twitter at underscore charity stripe underscore talk sports with us. We love it. Nick, baseball is in full swing. The MLB All-Star starters, well, we have left to pick from. The finalists. The finalists. Yeah. I think are We've pretty- got two locks so far, Aaron Judge and Acuna, who have already made it because they're the highest vote getters in the MLB for each league which i don't really dislike honestly because no, I think it's cool it's rewarding yeah i think first of all i think no i'm saying not even from a lock standpoint like i'm saying from an acuna standpoint and acuna hasn't fully played the full season i would say there's a guy more deserving paul goldschmidt but sure to be like the lock yeah yeah oh uh, i you know what i put your guy machado in but it's close between With, him and Renato. Arenado's really turned it on. Yes, and and Machado has taken a few steps back and also has been injured a little bit. As yeah, well, I so think the injury hard. hurt the thing. But I still think he's got it. I mean, there's a couple days left in the vote, but um, just purely based off statistics and what he means to a team right now, I would say Machado's got to get the nod. Yeah, and I think, but and I think, but I think he's lost grasp of the NL MVP. MVP, hundred percent. Sure. He's probably fallen back to maybe fourth or fifth. I think the MVP, the biggest lock of MVP, and again, it's All-Stars in a second. I just want to run this by you. At one point, like, all right, the AL MVP is the first half is definitely going to be Judge. Mm -hmm. Which it has been. Which it has been, but I think that gap is closer than the NL gap. Because Because Otani. And Otani and Alvarez. Yeah, and and Trout. And Devers, like Devers, is like, yep. and it, which is interesting because and Jose it went Ramirez. I mean, yeah, there's, but, there's a bunch of guys because it went from Jose Ramirez is the biggest lock in the AL All Star for third baseman to now I I, I well now he's losing he's losing it. he yeah. should and it, which is fair because Devers is leading the league in hits well, and he's, yeah it's it's an average thing as well and yeah then, his average is dipped yeah, exactly drastically. he's under three hundred yeah Ramirez yeah I know I agree uh, I think that it's definitely. Uh, a more wide open race in the AL, and I think that Paul Goldschmidt's running away with it in the NL. Yeah, I mean I, Harper was in the mix, but he, no, you know, broke, that's it. Blake broke. Snell broke his thumb, so yeah. gives a gives him some time off, and he won't be able to contend for the MVP now. They're not enough, not enough bats. He's playing, and he is playing so astronomically well. Like nobody can really touch him in any category. There's certain like. I don't. Alonzo would have to go on a monster tear. He doesn't hit for average enough. He doesn't hit for the average points are too too drastically different. Right. Um, and then Mookie's missed time, and then he's the real the real pacekeeper, you know, or the real two people that can kind of you know keep up with the pacekeper would be his teammate Arenado and the Machado. aforementioned Manny Machado, right? Um, unless, unless Freddie Freeman had like the second half of all second halves, which I wouldn't be shocked about, but. Going to the All-Stars, here is kind of how I broke it down. Um, I've For the starters, I, I, I think I'm cool with Kirk, 
Guerrero Jr. I know we like Ty France a lot. Yeah, but he was hurt for a little bit too. And I think Vlad has turned it up just enough lately to warrant the All-Star vote. I think Ty France should be. He's definitely going to make the team. Should make because the team. Because besides the starters, the team is decided by players and coaches. Yeah. And I think that Devers is fair at third with Ramirez still making it. Anderson at short. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that, but I don't think Bichette should be the backup shortstop. I, I truthfully think the it Blue should Jays be. The Blue Jays fans really showed out for this fan vote. They really did because every category, it's a Blue Jay and someone else for the do most you, part. Do you remember, yeah, Santiago Espinal is the second baseman, which like isn't outlandish, but it should be Andres Jimenez. For sure. And it, it, He should be the starter, Andres Jimenez. I, I know. You put him in as a starter. Ugh, I went with Altuve, but I, like, I'm like i with you on Jimenez. He plays great, has right. a great glove, too. But yeah, Bo Bichette should not be second. should mm. be Bogarts. should be Bogarts. I had a tough time with my socks. Um, because Devers and Bogart should be all stars. We don't have a pitcher that warrants it. Then JD, like, honestly, like, no, like I, I left him off. It was tough, but like, he just hasn't done it. Like, but he'll probably still make the team. Mate, no, I left him off because the team completely. Really? Yeah. Well, the thing is, well, is, you have to have a. You're talking about like with the bench depth and everything. Yes. Wow. Because I talked to our buddy Josie. Shout out to him and, and his family, I guess. Uh, he, I sent him my All Star roster. Not to be confused with Josie. Josie, yeah, that's our Scott dolls. Yeah, or our friend um, who I just saw this past weekend. Uh, great girl. You obviously have to have a guy from every team represented, which yeah. is why I had to. Which leave. I think is a stupid rule. Yeah, I'm kind of out on the rule. I hate that rule. It's dumb. I really do. I, why would you reward a player or a team for mediocre play? Right. I understand the representation aspect of, of. You know, if the guy plays in their home city, sure. If, like, the All-Star game is hosted in L.A., and let's say there was no Dodgers that were actually going to make it, they put a Dodger in. Did the same thing with Will Myers in San Diego a few years back. But if a guy's hitting, like, 250, and Will Myers at the time, I think, was hitting, like, 250-something. Like, come on. Let's just put the best players in possible. I had an easier time in the AL with filling the teams. Mm-hmm. Like, I could leave Christian Vasquez off and put Jonah Heim, the catcher, in for the Rangers and be cool with that and be like, okay, it's like I would love to have a Red Sox in there, but that's a fair trade-off. I was cool putting Andrew Benintendi into rep the, the Royals because he's having a good year. Right. Like, Jor- like Jorge Lope. Yeah, Mike, well, he should get traded. He might, he might come to the Padres. We'll see. Is that what... Is that what you're there, There's murmurs that Preller's going to make a move for an outfield bat, and he's one of the prime candidates because he's on a crappy team hitting very well. And he's young. Plays great glove. And he plays, yeah, has a great glove. There's definitely some other options out there, but I would say he's probably top of the list. Well, Contreras and the Cubs, who's also an all-star, we could tie that back Correct, into the all-stars. that's catching depth. Yeah, no, no I'm just simply saying. That's he's, need. But yeah. Is he the prime guy outside of... He, he's got to be probably the biggest trade candidate in... Baseball. Him and Josh Bell, maybe. Yeah, Josh Bell's Bell, gone. Josh Bell's hitting over 300. He's got, a, I think, I don't know, 11 home runs? I, I don't know, between 9 and yeah. 11 home runs. Um, and he's playing he's, his last year's rental, so he's, he's going to go somewhere. I think the the first baseman, just to hop around, the first base situation in the NL is super tricky because you have Bell. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you also, ha- if you think about the NL in general, there's a lot of guys. You're talking about the All-Star? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm just talking in general for like teams that would need Bell. Most of the contending teams have first basemen. So you could, I guess, slide them into DH, but. Oh, well, the Sox. 
Yeah. Well, Padres technically don't because Eric Hosmer is Doogie Hauser. Garbage. Yeah, he is Doogie Hauser. The well, the Sox are in a precarious situation because, and I think it really makes sense for Boston. You don't have to give him a big prospect, but you bring in a guy like Josh Bell. Because J.D. Martinez is also going to be a free agent. Mm-hmm. And he's a D.H., but he's up there in age. And you have you Tristan Cassis, who's the number one prospect in this, outside of Marcella Mayer, who's the top prospect in the Red Sox system, his first baseman. Um, he's going to come up next year. So you don't really need to re-sign Josh Bell, but you could re-sign him as a DH, yeah. and you could move on from J.D. and, yeah, bring and, and go younger. And the Sox... I feel need it from a standpoint to separate themselves from the Rays and the Jays. The Yankees are it's it's they're, yeah unless no, they they've already ran away with it yeah unless, <laughs> unless they, they go on like a thirty game losing streak which, which just won't happen. No, but I don't necessarily possibly. know. I don't necessarily know if they're the best team in the AL. You know what's funny is my girlfriend asked me the other day. We were just talking about the Yankees in general about how good they were. Yeah, and she asked me if it, this is it's a funny question. But has there ever been an MLB team to go undefeated? <laughs> and it was funny. I was like, nope, not even possible. She goes, no, come on, it's got to happen sometime. I'm like, no, it is literally, you have a better chance of winning the lottery than a Major League Baseball team going undefeated. Yeah. 162 games. Well, the record's 116. Exactly. And that's with 46 losses. Exactly. A team losing under 40 games is, like, unfathomable. It is. And you know what? We talked about it a couple weeks ago about how the over-under is 104 for the Yankees to win games on betonline.ag, our sponsor. Go to betonline.ag today. Nice, Nick. Get your free welcome bonus when you use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Yeah. But numbers probably gone up just a little bit, not by a lot, because, you know, we're realistic here. That's an easy lock. Yeah, they should should go over. There's going to be other teams that could go over that. Yeah. Like, I think the Dodgers end up going over that. Oh, for sure. I think the Astros... Like the, uh, maybe to the me, Mets. Maybe the Mets with Scherzer and DeGrom coming back. Yeah, exactly. I De- mean, who knows with the Padres, too. Yeah, they've been on a little skid here, but they've got Tatis coming back. So yeah. We'll see what happens. But I want to get back to All-Stars. For yeah. So, so you'd mentioned that it's hard for the NL. I had a tough time. I really, Because the AL, I was like, okay, I need a guy from the Oakland A's. I'll go pitcher. When in, when in doubt, I try Montes. to go pitcher. Montes or Paul Blackburn. I want Paul Blackburn okay. just to, like, throw him in there. But Montes, short, like, pick your poison. Um, Orioles. I went Jorge Lopez. They're closed. You know what? Like we discussed, the Orioles blowing it up. They've got some guys on that team though that can play. Yeah, like I don't necessarily know, how, and they have a good farm. They do. I think pitching is the biggest obstacle for them. Starting pitching. Starting exactly because they have a top five bullpen. Right. Starting pitching for sure is the is the obstacle, and that sometimes is the obstacle for a lot of teams. When you look at the Angels, you look at the Rockies. That's always been like the Angels are a joke, dude. Right. But Santander's been playing well. Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes. Ryan Mountcastle. Severino. Like, they've got good players. Yeah. But at what point do you build around? You have, you have Adley Rushman. You have Gunnar Henderson, who's elevated into top 10 status in the MLB top 100 prospect rankings. Obviously, Grayson Rodriguez is the big prime player there. You have D.L. Hall, who's got who's a year or two away. And then you have another draft pick coming. You have the first pick coming up in the draft. Yeah. So they're like in a, they're in a position where they can get back to the mm-hmm. at least competitive play. Right. This is the Orioles are an uninteresting team to talk about. Let's you, we, I mean, we could just tangent ever. Well, I, you know what? There's a starter because it's going to be Judge Trout and Stanton probably starting in the outfield for the AL. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, is it crazy that I think? Obviously, I think Stanton's had a nice year, but it should be Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, but he didn't make the finalists. 
He uh, should be an all-star, right? Yes, for sure. He's the rookie sensation that has been lighting the the league on fire, honestly. Which is crazy because there's other really good rookies. In the, you know, like Bobby Witt's been really solid. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Pena has been like an excellent replacement for yep. Carlos Correa. Julio is in that category of guys that is like Acuna, Soto, Tatis, like the next generation of sluggers that can do it all. Mm-hmm. They play great def- five tool players. They they play great defense. They've got blazing speed. They've got great power, and they hit for average. So he's he's gonna be an all-star for years to come. And I definitely believe that he should do it this year. I mean, he's he's a lock to win rookie of the year for the AL. Yeah. I like Miggy Cabrera as a backup DH. Really? Okay. Sitting over 300. Oh, wow. yeah. And a Tiger needs to be in the Tiger needs to be in the game. Yeah. And who knows, could be one of his last seasons. Could be could be, could his, be his last, last season. season. Yeah. Realistically, he's hit, he's hit over 3000 hits. Right. They're not going to be competitive for a while. Right. He's got but his like, accolades. Wouldn't, wouldn't he want to do like the whole farewell tour that like Pujols is kind of doing right now. But Pujols is like kind of doing it. He's not really doing it. The only one that yeah, the really... teams are paying their respects. They're giving him gifts and stuff. And like Manny Machado was very vocal about like people need to like respect his retirement more. Like they need to like respect him as a player. Like he's changed the game and he's one of the best hitters that we've ever seen. I'd argue the same thing for Miggy Cabrera if he decides to retire soon. Yes. I think the thing with like we got really acclimated in certain farewell tours with guys like Jeter, Jeter, Poppy, mm-hmm. Mariano Rivera. Is Pools a better player than all of them? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I just think that if you change the game or you've you've been dynamic for so long and you represent, you know, he represents Puerto Rico. He's the best Puerto Rican, you know, player to probably ever live. Mm-hmm. Right? Like. You you deserve a farewell tour. Farewell tour. Yeah, no, I I think he deserves one. Um, I just think like it's just like guys like on the Yankees, like Jeter and Mo. They're like they've been Yankees for life. Poppy was on the Twins, but he pretty much did the Red Sox thing the whole time. Yeah, he went to the Angels, got back in the Cardinals, and the Dodgers for a hot sec. Like Pujols, like deserves everything and more. Should be a hundred percent Hall of Famer. Like he should be a hundred percent on the ballot. And quite frankly, so should Miguel Cabrera because anybody that doesn't put Miguel Cabrera on their ballot, like how can you not? But I just think Miggy, from his standpoint, he's a more quiet player. Yeah, he's he's a bit calmer. Um, but other guys he I want in a way for a long time on a crappy team. He had in a way on a crappy team for a long time. Other guys I want to see in there. I want to see. I mean, Verlander's been unbelievable. Clay Holmes and the Yankees. Can a reliever win Cy Young? Can it get to a point it's where happened. it's happened? Yeah, I know. It's a very, a, very long time. Gagne, Gagne 03. Was the last one. There was one where I think Zach Britton came really close. Should have. He yeah. should have won it. Close, yeah. I remember that year. Uh, but no, nah, I don't think it's going to happen this year. Yeah. I, I mean, Manoa, McClanahan, Verlander, Cortez. I think Garrett Cole and like, I think Garrett Cole is going to make the roster, but he's going to have a tough time. He will. But. The pedigree. Sometimes it's just his it, name. Exactly. Dude. Like guys like Framber Valdez, like, there's no difference in the right. year they've had yeah. to me. Um NL Harper's gonna have to be replaced. So that's so interesting. Is what do you think uh Albies is a finalist and he's gonna have to be replaced. That's another person on the on the bout that I don't think needs to be in the finalist. Well, I don't even think he'd be this backup. I think it should be Chisholm and Tommy Edmund. Well, for second base? Tommy Edmund, yeah. Doesn't Tommy play shortstop? But he's playing second for them right now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Tommy plays second. He's on the shortstop. ballot at shortstop. 
Yeah, but he could get slotted in at second. That's the, that's the other thing that kind of grinds my gears a little bit about this whole voting process is they left guys off. They put guys on. Like, Tatis was on the ballot, and he, like, finished fifth in voting. Hasn't played a single game all season. Like, it's just, like, kind of blasphemous, honestly. Yeah. That he even was on the ballot. And, like, they put guys... Like, our short, starting shortstop has been hustling Kim all season. Like, he wasn't even on the ballot, didn't get any love. And, like, not saying that he would have gotten in or would even deserve a lot of votes, but still, come on. It's nice for a guy to get recognized. Same thing Austin Nola, who hasn't even taken the majority of our catching, you know, games or duties. It's been Jorge Alfaro for the most part. Yeah. He's on the ballot. It's crazy. I mean, like, Edmund playing short, but he also plays second. I think it's a way to get him in is put him in at second because there's not enough second basemen that are good enough in the end. Like, right. you could, like... I would have said Cronenworth, but he definitely t- tailed off a little bit. He had a, a stellar June, but yeah. didn't really follow it up with the beginning of July. So, I mean, the entire Padres offense is struggling right now, but um, at one point I would have said Cronenworth deserves it. But if I'm looking at the Padres, let me guess who your Padres are, yeah? Yeah. There's Manny Machado. Joe Musgrove, and maybe Taylor Rogers. I couldn't do it. Yeah, his ERA is too high now. His ERA is too high. I, I so had just the two. Yeah, just those two. I went Musgrove and I went uh, Machado. Yeah, I had a I, the second base had a tough time. That's why I put Edmund there. I shortstop was tricky with Turner over Swanson. To me, it was pick your poison. Um, and I had to put Kyle Farmer in there because the Reds like it's either Kyle Farmer or Brandon Jury because you yeah. have to put a Red in there and it's like ridiculous, and they couldn't put a pitcher. Who's your Diamondback? My Diamondback, I, I like I have to maybe go Zach Allen. I don't even know, dude. Like the Diamondbacks, like Christian, why I it can't put Christian? Like you know, there's other guys that are so deserving. Like maybe Mad Bum. Like it's it's bonkers. Yeah. Merrill Merrill Kelly. It's gonna have to be one of the pitchers. It's gonna be the Zach Allen. Kelly or Bumgarner, and you're gonna have to leave a guy like Aaron Nola or Carlos Rodon off the roster. Yeah, probably. And I, I, you can maybe slip in a reliever there, but I love Daniel Bard getting in there. Great story. He's gone out of the game for years. Comes back. Other guys. I, I think the, the 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 easiest time was the first five starters I put in for the NL. Gonsolin, Alcantara. Corbin Burns, I know Alcantara's gotten all the love for the Cy Young, but Musgrove, yeah, and Freed. Mm-hmm. At what point can we be in a position to say that Corbin Burns is the best pitcher in baseball? Mm, I don't know if we'll ever get there. I truly don't ever believe we'll ever get there, honestly. Why? Because I think sustainability yeah, he's been pretty good for the last few years, but you look at guys like Garrett Cole and Verlander and DeGrom and Scherzer who consistently get it done every single year, and it's there's literally not any tailor. Like, it doesn't tail off at all. Besides, yeah. you know, injuries every now and then. But yeah. You got to be so dominant. But has he not been, you don't think? I think there's been flashes of people touching him up every now and then. I mean, he's got a two three or two oh three ERA, and he won the Cy Young last year. Yeah, I think he's. You got to show me more than just a couple years. Okay, that's fair. And I, I just think him being, yeah, he hasn't done it. He's done it one like, year. Robbie Ray won the Cy Young too, and I'm not saying that he is going to potentially be the best pitcher in baseball. No, correct. Yeah, I, I, I could understand that. 
I think he's leading the league in strikeouts per nine. Did it last year. He's got leading the league in strikeouts again. Robbie Ray, who has had a horrible start to the year, has really come around uh, and been phenomenal and show why he was the Cy Young uh, last year. But Corbin Burns was a guy I wanted to have in there. I just have a tough time with the, the first baseman with Crone, Alonzo. Like, there's so many good ones. And, like, you have to get to, like, the outfield in the NL, and it's, like, outside the back, like, Jock Peterson's going to start, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just the outfield's kind of weak in the NL. So weak. Well, I, I said this on the podcast I do with Heath Bell the other day, Ring the Bell Podstock. Go check it out if you enjoy Padres baseball talk anywhere you get your podcasts. But I said it to him yesterday that this is the lowest league average for batting average ever. Mm. Not ever, since 1968. So 54 years. It's mm. at, sitting at 242 right now. Yeah. Like, as a whole, the league is hitting very, very low. So... You can't really fault too many of these guys, but there are some anomalies. You know, I mean, the AL is hitting really well, but AL usually always hits better than the NL. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Absolutely. Well, we're the charity show. We'll talk more about it when we get right back. Joshua Fischel, Alexander Sopolis, Nikki Snacks, Crider. See you soon. Don't go anywhere. Flat should describe your TV screen, not your TV sound. Experience your entertainment like never before with the new Sonos Ray. This compact and easy-to-use soundbar puts you at the center of shows, movies, games, and more with crisp highs and precisely balanced bass. Breeze through setup with help from the Sonos app, and you can even use your own remote for control. And when the TV is off, stream music, radio, podcasts, and audiobooks from all your favorite services. Visit Sonos.com to learn more. We're back once again at the charity shop. Pitch free throws because they're free. Joshua Fisher, Alexander Disopolis, Nikki Snacks, Kreider, USC, UCLA, Pac-12, kick rocks. They're gone. Don't want to be no part of that. You don't want no part of this, Dewey. That's what they said. They're going to the Big Ten. Who said it? Yeah, who was the actor that said that? What's the actor's name? He's in so much. What are you talking about? Um, the, uh, the Dewey Cox movie when he goes to the bathroom and they're like, you don't want no part of this, Not Dewey. John C. Riley. Not John C. He doesn't, John C. Riley's Dewey Cox. Right, right. Oh, I know who you're talking about. The guy that's in Mean Girls? Yes. The principal. The principal in, of Mean Girls. Principal Duval. Yeah, Mean Girls. I haven't seen Who's, either of those movies. Really? You've never seen Mean Girls? <laughs> He's kidding. No, I swear. <laughs> what? Mean Girls is a classic. <laughs> what do you mean? Dewey never... Cox is, yeah, Walk Hard is less of a classic. Yeah. What do you mean you've never seen Mean Girls? Like I never... know, we've talked about this before. I have we? So I've not seen it. That's crazy. I, th- this is new news to me. You know what else is I new had news this conversation to me? Before. New news to me is that the, the USC and UCLA are joining the Big Ten. Yeah. And that the Pac, the Pac-12. Is that crazier, though, than me never seeing Mean Girls? Or? Honestly, yeah. Is it, though, at this point? Like, I, I felt like, obviously, this news is really big, um, especially for people in, in Southern California, of course, in the LA area specifically. But it lost a little bit of the luster because Texas and OU just did this and they're moving from the big 12 to the sec it's also it's not like we haven't seen teams colleges move from one conference to another i mean mizzou did it they went from the big 12 and a&m did it as well to the sec so it's it's been something that's been happening and obviously i think you know to this degree where conferences are now dissolving um that hasn't happened in a really long time but the pac-12 has a good chance of dissolving with the Big 12 adding, what, four new teams? They made a quick move and, you know, good on them because they needed to, and they still have some really competitive schools there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's also a situation where, like, think about the best two teams that by far, the biggest money makers by far in the Big 12 up and leave for the SEC. And then you're in a situation where the Pac-12, the two biggest 
or the biggest team in like the third or fourth. I mean, because Oregon's there, mm-hmm. right? Oregon. Andy Katz said that UCLA is the biggest college sports program in the nation. That's blasphemous. It's a crazy... Given, given historical context as well. Okay. Sure. I mean, we're dating it back to like the 1900s. Well, they're, they're certainly the most legendary NCAA basketball school. Yeah, 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 for sure. And they've kept it up for the most part. Like, they haven't really had that many lulls. Like, there was a slight lull, but then they the really... 2000s haven't been a... They haven't been like dynasties for them, but where in the same way that Florida won multiple championships, but they've been contenders... They almost went to the final single, four last year. Yeah, almost every single year. They were good this year. Zoe was the Zoe era was solid. Like highly they, touted recruits coming in. Yeah. yeah a like, lot of NBA representation. hundred percent. Sure. Like yeah. Westbrook, K-, K Love, like that that but, squad. All being said, they haven't won anything in a very long time. Yeah. Their basketball program has not been historic within the last 20, 30 years. Okay. Same thing with football. Football has been bottom of the barrel of Pac twelve football for a very long time as well. So I think this move Really helps USC, of course. I mean, they're already going to be a big dog there, but really helps UCLA more, I think, because it's going to get more exposure for them. They're going to get more recruits. They're going to get better recruits. They're going to bring more money to the university. They're going to try to bring back UCLA football. And, of course, it helps with basketball, too. Better competition, get to play better schools. Just in turn, it just makes everything way more interesting. And guys want to go to programs where they're playing against better competition that's why the sec is so prominent for nfl talent mm-hmm. they play against each other it's better for for scouts to evaluate as well mm-hmm. and of course the national exposure right it's hard to watch pac-12 games when you're on the east coast because they start so late and it's time for bed now if you're ucla or a usc fan on the east coast or on the west coast doesn't matter where you are you're still going to be playing games you know mid-afternoon maybe the only the only thing that could be tough is when they're playing against teams like Penn State or Maryland where they have to commute across the country. My vote would be to put it in a neutral playing field somewhere in the middle of the country where both teams can meet up and not have to worry about any of that. Sure, that works. Or you, you do one-on-one. Like, you know, like, they're not flying commercial anymore. You get a private, like, they're flying private. PJ, yeah. You get into PJ, the USA football. It's, uh, the a, it's USC. a comfortable flight. I know it's a long flight, but it's very comfortable and... Half the games they're playing at home, so yeah, just, those those other teams are having to travel to them. It's, travel more, the, it's more like the, the the time difference of like you know commuting six hours. To do get you guys to really feel? I really don't feel time change ever. To be honest, it never hits me. It's for for collegiate athletes where routine is such an important part okay. of their daily life. I think it's a little bit more impactful than just like us I think, hopping on a flight to New York. Uh, and and I actually do I. I get a little jet lag. Like I, the time difference, like it's different. Like you're going to bed, you know, two hours earlier or yeah. three hours later, whatever it is. Like it, it's a slight difference. I would say that is more of a factor when it goes to when it comes to playing away teams for UCLA and USC than it is for the weather. Where people say that it's, you know, oh they're going to be affected by going to the cold weather games. Like I think that's all hooey. They play in cold weather already. They, they yeah you, yeah exactly Washington, Oregon. I mean it's not. It's not nearly as cold as like Ann Arbor, and it's not snowing for the most part. Sometimes you know Washington has those games, but if you're a Division One athlete or if you're a NFL player, weather should not affect you. You you go to the away playing field a couple days early, and you get acclimated to the weather, and 
you feel what it's like and by the time you start moving around you're warm mm-hmm. i mean unless you're like sitting on the bench and you've got like a a big coat on the entire time that's tough but i'd argue that playing in hot weather like scorching hot like 100 degree 110 degree weather is more dangerous for a player and it's harder for a player because it cramps and heat exhaustion yeah, yeah. I mean, there's also a situation where, like you said, like the NFL guys, like there's great NFL players that played at SEC schools that go to cold weather team. Like Mac Jones went was a quarterback in Alabama. He's not a quarterback for the New England Patriots. Like Aaron Rodgers, Aunt Rodgers, Cal to to Green Bay. Like you know, you're Tom gonna Brady. have to do. Yeah, you're gonna have to deal with it at some point. And he even started young. He went from Cal to Michigan. And there's guys that do that all the time too. There's guys that play their high school ball in Texas or like like Garrett Wilson. Like played his high school football in Texas, yeah. right? Now he's and like what? What? Like he's a top, yeah, he's a top ten pick. I also think that Big Ten football is obviously a, it's a slightly different brand of football than the rest of college football, but it's changed a lot to match that pro style. I mean, Ohio State runs a pro style offense, yeah, heavy pass attack, same kind of offense that USC traditionally runs as well. I know Wisconsin likes to. They like the ground and pound. They like to, to push the ball between the tackles. But, you know, most of the, the Big Ten isn't doing that anymore. No. Michigan had a good rush attack last uh, last year, but they were kind of like a dual threat system. Like, no one's – it's not Monty Ball. It's not, you know, yeah. Jonathan Taylor in between in between the trenches. It's it's heavy pass attack. And that's what UCLA with Chip Kelly and, right. uh, and now USC are, are going to put out there. So I think that stylistically – because of the way that college football has moved, the the weather is less of a factor as well. Yeah, and I I think that college football has also changed in the sense where the good teams, the really good teams, the Bamas, the Georgias, the Ohio States, you know, I even would consider Texas the good te- the blue chips, right? Yeah, right. They're they have the flexibility to find a strength based on their opponent. If they just want to run the ball the entire time, they've got the guys to do it. If they want to throw the ball on the team, they got to do it. Right? That's they're just exposing the weaknesses of the other team. There's yeah. some teams like Navy where they're literally only going to run the triple option, right? And how's that working out for like them and Georgia Tech? Exactly. Georgia Tech have to get a new coach. I mean, here you bring up a great point, like with the Ohio State. There's two Ohio points that you could center around Ohio State. Point number one, they're the best team in the Big Ten. And the first guys taking off their roster were wide receivers. First two guys taking off their roster were wide receivers. So this, oh, like, they're going to get beat in the trenches. Oh, like, they're not going to... Okay, maybe. But, they do, but, come on, they do have incredible big men all the time. Yeah, they, they, but you don't think, like, you, like, oh, Texas is not going to be able to, you know, keep up with the size of the SEC. Oh, they got manhandled by Arkansas. How was our offensive line class last year? How's it looking this year? Like, you're, if you're a blue chip yeah, program... It matters what players you bring in. Right now, if you want to tell me that USC doesn't have the offensive line to compete, Sure. Because they actually have some holes on their offensive line, but much Lincoln, smaller. Yeah, but when Lincoln brings in the highly touted offensive line recruits, then it doesn't really matter, right? Because, Which he can do. Yeah, of course. The, I don't know if Garrett Wilson or Smith and Jigba or or Chris Olave have the seasons they do without a good line. They're not going to get the ball because their quarterback doesn't have enough time. Yeah, but they also have a good quarterback that can sling the rock, and right. USC has that in spades. They also have. Jordan Addison. They also have a bevy of receivers that have come in. And it's a situation where the best team in the Big Ten has an air raid offense. They obviously have a great run game, too. I mean, they're just like fully, they're fully torqued. But like, you know, they have a great thing going for Sounds them. Like you're fully torqued. I love Ohio State, baby. 
the thing with Penn State and a team like Wisconsin, maybe they're a bit tougher in the trenches. But what's going to happen to a team like that when Caleb Williams comes out, drops 21 on their head in the first quarter? Right. Do you they have the quarter? We, have, we, we saw last year with Iowa how good that team was throughout the season, but at a certain point they couldn't keep up with teams right. you offensively. Don't, you don't have the star power yeah. to go out and make those plays, right? They don't have guys like Xavier Worthy like we have or Bijan Robinson or you know I'm I'm thinking back to like Kyler Murray when he can just like crawl you back into a game and he's you know throwing bombs and running all around the field like there's not guys like that I know what you mean but you always talk about all the time that left tackle is you know the most important position besides quarterback in the NFL and I truly agree that it still goes that far in college as well the trenches mean a lot. I mean, yeah. you look at Ohio State's success, they have got so many different guys on the offensive line that are in the NFL. You got the Bosa brothers, you got Chase Young, both sides of the line. Hmm. I think it's moving away, though. I think more important, because of the way quarterbacks move nowadays and their ability to throw on the run and their rollouts, I think it's more the more important, second most important position, honestly, is, is defensive line and like edge. Having those guys like Bosa, having a guy who can get to the quarterback and make him feel. And I don't think USC like like USC is the same selling point as Texas. Right. It's easy. It's like UCLA might have a tougher time to adjust. That I could give it. Mm -hmm. But then there's a situation of like, oh, the Pac-12 wasn't good last year. They can't come in and beat you know the Big Ten teams. Well, Ohio State was not the best team in the Big Ten. That was Michigan. But you can make the argument on paper they might have been or close to it or second best. And the first game they lost was in Columbus to Oregon. Yeah. They lost to a Pac-12 team to start the year. Out. Yeah. Like, Oregon beat them. Mm-hmm. Like, they, it wasn't like a luck. They beat them straight up. And everyone's like, and you know, obviously they they fall off. But it's doable. They're not going to come in and have a, as tough an adjustment period as people, you know, think they will. And it's unfortunate for the Pac-12 as a conference because it is, you know, like UCLA does that have, have that history. And so does USC. It is the Conference of Champions. Uh, it's not like Texas where they're the Southwest Conference and now they're the Big right. 12. Now they can just jump ship to the SEC. It's going to be very interesting to see how things play out. Do Pac-12 and ACC have a marriage now? Uh, I don't know. I, I think Do they get involved with each other. Like, I don't know. Who are the other two teams that join the Big Ten? No one yet. Well, so there's going to be two more, right? Is that what the word on the street is? I thought, I thought someone said confirm four more teams. Are, are is, if that is, I don't know who it can be. It could be. I would say bring Oregon with you. It might be Oregon and Washington, but or not Stanford. It might be Oregon. I feel like you can't break up Washington and Washington State. But that's what the talk is. Yeah, I don't know. I I think that with the Pac twelve, they broke up us and A and M. Like you yeah, could do whatever, it, whatever. But A and M, that that's not. I don't know if it's the same thing. Okay, but I think the Pac twelve still stays alive because I think there's a lot of teams that are not in the Power Five right now that get into the Power Five that deserve it. Boise State, been a long time. They've been good. They've gone to bowl games. They've they've gone undefeated, you know, and they still didn't get any love. San Diego State, another program that's on the rise in football and basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's teams that deserve I mean, BYU. We talk about all the time. You know, they might join the Big 12. There's teams out there that deserve to get some more love in Power 5 conferences, and we'll help them, their programs, just build with better recruits, more national exposure, and probably better bowl games too. Yeah. I mean, how many times did we see – UCF go undefeated and not get any love to get a real big bowl game. Yeah. I mean, they always said those are the real national champs back in those days, right? Yeah. But 
if they were in a power five conference, let's say, you know, they come over the big 12 and win the big 12, or if they go to the pack, I mean, that's so far for them, but maybe they're in the college ball playoff. Yeah. I mean, there's like a lot of things that there's a lot of differences that'll be made. It's, I'm just curious to see what happened to AC. The ACC is really what I'm curious to see. Cause they're the only one that really has remained untouched. The SEC has absorbed, the Big Ten's absorbed, the Big 12's lost, and the Pac-12 is lost. The ACC could find itself in one of in a real in a Pac-12 dire situation. I think the Big 12 is in a position where it could survive and be fine, but I think the the ACC is in, then in a position where, like, does Clemson go to the SEC? Does Florida State go to the SEC? At that point, then, it's just like it's not the ICC, Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12, ACC anymore. Like, they're just super conferences that are like all, like maybe two dissolve and we just do three big conferences where it's like yeah. 18 teams each or something or 16 teams each. Maybe that's what the, the answer is here. And they played divisionally and then like a couple games outside of their division every right. single, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I, I, ex- I expect in seven to ten years that it's going to be completely different than what we think it's going to be in our heads where it's like there will be an SEC, there will be an ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12. But we'll we'll see how it all shakes out. But in the interim, I think I'm excited to see USC and UCLA play in these yeah. big-ticket games against Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Wisconsin, I'm, Penn State. That's going to be fun. And I'm sure the fans are excited to come out to California every now and then to – Enjoy, oh, that's a enjoy fan, our beaches. That's yeah. a great trip. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, now the thing, you know, while I was talking about it, because you guys know I grew up a Buckeye fan, we play Ohio State. So when Texas down the line a couple years, when Texas plays Ohio State, I'm going to go to that in Ohio. I'm sure you're going to go to the one in Austin too. Go, to, yeah, I go to the one in Austin for sure. Now we're hoping, hopefully, the I don't have to go anywhere for USC. Ohio State, like yeah. it's gonna be here. I'm not, I'm, look, LA is a city of transplants. There's probably a lot of different fans from different colleges, but I'm just saying in general, like the average Ohio State fan that's in Columbus would probably love to get away for a little bit and come to California, enjoy our beaches, drink drink our our drinks, eat our food, and enjoy our, our game. If you a lot of wine and beer places, drink our wine, enjoy our women. Someone of, of <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> You're someone <laughs> of, weather. Come on. of absurd wealth. Would you be, because I'm thinking, Nick, you bring up a great point about the neutral site. But the issue is, is that between California and where all these Big Ten schools are, the neutral sites are few and far between. Wastelands. <laughs> Colorado? Like, epic. Did, well, you is would, it like, are we going a mile high? Like, is that what would, we're? Yeah, I would say that it would probably be anywhere that has like a an NFL stadium. Well, so what like, I was gonna say is, if I if I'm like an absurd billionaire, yeah, you buy, or multimillionaire, you am I am I looking to go like start building like just no, a Nebraska? massive stadium in some obscure spot? I'm sure, the land's cheap in Nebraska. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they have the Brad, the Cornhuskers have their stadium. Right. No, I'm just saying though. But like. Is the Cornhuskers going to allow USC and Penn State to right. like use their stadium? Yeah, to... I think Den. I think Denver, the Broncos stadium mile. I think that makes sense. What about Salt Lake City? Go to Utah, build like or a Indianapolis Superdome. 
Yeah. The D- Doug Dimondome. Doug Dimondome. The Dimondome. Like these are like places that are not. I mean, I don't know where the I don't know where the NFL Honestly, is. Texas. You can do another one in Texas. They've yeah. already got so much going on though. They have like NRG and Jerry. Well, there's there's always state championships there's always bowl games there's always neutral playing games there look if usc yeah. and ohio state are playing at jerry world oh they, they love it selling out yeah selling tons, out yeah tons of people there but, i mean is that is that weekend already booked i don't know like they could I be like they have something there every weekend yeah i mean like they're i don't think they're gonna do the neutral site thing they're gonna have to see how it plays out like a normal setting i don't think the usc Ohio State drag is like Oregon like went to Ohio State like Texas is gonna go to Ohio State and they're gonna like we're going to Bama like Bama's coming here like that's how it shakes out like I don't think the the ridiculous ones are like when they do like a neutral site game with like Georgia and like somebody at like in the Mercedes Benz State it's in like Atlanta. dude like what are we yeah, doing no, Georgia, it's but not some, but some of it's some of it's tradition Florida and Georgia is the yeah. only one that needs to be playing neutral that's like our Texas OU. Yeah, that one. That I, There's a line that needs to be drawn between Florida and Georgia. There's a Florida-Georgia line. Yeah. <laughs> I last thing I'll say before we, we, we leave these lovely people. I think we've touched upon it before, and I love the Texas State Fair, and I love the co- I love the whole tradition of it. But there would have been it would have been a little dope to have Texas OU. In every Austin. in Austin, and then us go there. Us go to Norman. Yeah, for sure. It's never happened. It never think. will. Yeah, no, no, they're never gonna do away with that. It's too, it's, it's too much of a, uh, a tradition for for everyone involved, and it's you know right midway between Austin and Norman. I was gonna say like you know before it's, it favors I think the the Austin side just a little bit. But yeah, but that's more of a neutral side. Well, than it's also when the rivalry was initially established, Austin wasn't what wasn't what it is now. Yeah. It's very true, and I can't imagine Norman. I can't really, really speak. <laughs> Norman, Norman I've Oklahoma. Never been. <laughs> never been to Nor- Norman, Oklahoma. I've been to and Oklahoma. We have no reason to because we never play there. Yeah, right. I mean, I've been to Oklahoma City, Same. and I would rate that maybe a four or five. I think that's fair. Out of ten, uh, yeah, yeah. That's I like fair. I like Oklahoma City. Okay, the Thunder's, I've been to the Thunder game. It's Chess- cool. Yeah, Chesapeake, whatever. It's, it's solid. Yeah. Uh, well, we're the Cherry Stripe. That's college football talk. Fans out there, drag both feet bounds, swing on a full count, rip that puck, hit that putt, hit your PKs because they free and hit your free throws. Why, guys? Because of free outro. We love you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.